Open your Bible to Luke chapter 17. Amen. If it's your first time here, we're glad you're here. Um, we're not crazy. Um, we're just peculiar. <laughs> but we get real excited when we open the Bible because we know when we open the Bible, we're about to get an answer. Amen. Amen. We're in the middle of our series called Recalibrate. Uh, and we are literally, took, we took the summer to recalibrate our thinking to think on what God's Word says, because Proverbs 23, throw it up on the board for me there, guys. Proverbs 23 and 7 uh, says this, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Which means whatever you think on, uh, that's what you're going to be. Then the Bible later tells us that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Uh, the Bible also says that we can have whatsoever we say. So if we're going to have what we say and we're going to speak what we think and we're going to be what we think, we need to figure out what we need to think on. Amen? So we are recalibrating our mind through the summer. I'm not going to go back through it and bore you, but go to the podcast and listen to all of them. Uh, the first week, we've, we proved beyond a shadow of a doubt that God wants you to prosper. Amen? He wants you to prosper. He wants you to do well. Uh, he wants you to be in health. He doesn't want you to be sick. Uh, he wants you uh, uh, to be uh, born again and not to be condemned. You know, there's a lot of doctrine out there that would indicate that uh, God wants to condemn you, and it's just simply not true. He's done everything He can to not condemn you. Uh, we just have to believe in our heart and confess with our mouth, and then we're put out of the condemnation pile and into the salvation pile. Amen? We went on to teach that, that our words are forming our world. Uh, Genesis 1 says in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and the Bible says that He did not create those the way you and I would think things ought to be created. The Bible says He created those uh, with words. He said, and God said, let there be light. So if in the beginning God created, my question is how? He answers in the next six days, which are all found in that first chapter, He created everything with words. So you and me, uh, just get this for a second, we are creating our world our environment with our words. Amen. So if you don't like your environment, what did you build? Amen. So we change the way we talk, we change our whole world. A couple of examples, just because it's so quiet here in the Rotary Club. We don't say, I can't. Because whether you say you can or you say you can't, you are correct. Because you'll have what you say. So the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So I don't argue with the Word of God. Now, we don't go rub it in everybody's face or, or anything like that. We'd be wise about it. We'd be uh, 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 wise as a serpent, but we also have to be harmless as dove. But I'm not going to agree with the devil or the world just because it's, it's apropos. I don't confess weakness. The only place I confess weakness, I tie it right the way Paul did. I said, where I'm weak, he is strong in Jesus' name. My Bible says he causes me to, uh, uh, causes me to be victorious in every area. So I'm not giving that up. So we create our world, our environment, with our words. So if you've got a lot of I can't, I won't, I just can't deal with that person. They're just so this. They're just so that. Let me tell you something. God will change that person, but first He wants to change you. 
gets you out of the I can't into the I can do all things category. So we ch- we're, we're literally creating our, our world with our words. And then uh, last week, uh, we, we proved beyond a shadow of a doubt again that literally everything that you come that goes through your life did not come to stay. The Bible says we go through the valley of the shadow of death. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went through the furnace. Daniel went through the lion's den. Just because you're in the middle of it doesn't mean you're always going to be in the middle of it. Your current condition is not your eternal position. Don't get it twisted. Amen? So we're recalibrating, we're refocusing to think on what God thinks about us. Uh, so this week we want to pick up in the same chapter that we read last week, but uh, Luke uh, 17, verse 12. And he, this is Jesus, so Jesus entered into a certain village, and there met him ten men that were lepers which stood afar off. Everybody say ten. ten. I'm not sure if you can say ten, because I'm from East Texas, and I say Ten, like T-I-N, but it's actually ten. So do me a favor and let's all say it properly. One, two, three, ten. I can't even do it, you know. Never mind, ten, like ten man, you know. So Jesus walked in the city and there was a ten man, didn't have a heart. And all of a sudden he said, what are we going to do? We're going to go to Oz. We're going to find the... No, that was a different story. There's ten lepers. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. There's ten lepers, the Bible says. And they met, uh, 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 they, they stood afar off from Jesus, verse 13. And they lifted up their voices and they said to Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Uh, Number one, anytime you see the number 10 in your Bible, it's always going to be representative of a test of some kind. We'll find out what the test was in just a minute. But we're always going to be, there's always going to be an indication or a, a forming of a test of some kind. So you have the ten virgins that had their oil, uh, that had their lamps, that, that had the oil waiting on the husbandman. You have ten commandments, which is a test to prove that we cannot follow the laws of God. Therefore, we'd need a savior who could redeem us. There was ten plagues that were put on Egypt to test Pharaoh long enough till he would finally let him go. So ten is always a representative of testing. Uh, tithe, uh, tithing to God. Uh, bringing 10% of your income to the house of God there might be meat in his house the Bible says uh, that if we'll do that he'll open the windows of heaven over our life for our blessing we don't have room enough to contain according to Malachi chapter 3 Uh, but that is one of the last heart tests that we have available uh, where we can prove uh, that we actually love God in word and in deed amen so 10 is always a number of testing everybody say testing So literally, we're fixing to find there's a test that's about to happen. But then the Bible says in verse 13 that they lifted up their voices. If you've never been to a church like this where people lift up their voices, uh, it's not a cultural thing for us. Uh, It is a biblical thing for us. Uh, All through the Bible, you see people that caught the attention of God, not because of how quiet they were, but because of how sincere they were in their approach to Jesus where they did not mind what other people thought about them. Now, that does not mean that, that, that you've got to sound like everybody else. It doesn't mean everybody else has to sound like you. It just means that you can't, you have to recalibrate your thinking. If you hear somebody magnifying God or you go to another church where they magnify God like us or different than us, whatever, you can't, you can't allow your mind to say, oh, that's just a cultural thing. That's just what they do, whoever they is. That's just what they do. No, that's a biblical thing. The Bible says that Bartimaeus was blind and he was sitting on the side of the road and he heard that Jesus was coming by. And the Bible says that he began to lift up his voice and he said, Son of David, have mercy on me. 
Well, one, he was the first guy to recognize that he was uh, the son of David and he was blind. So sometimes we don't see with our natural eyes what God wants to show us in the spirit. And we need to lift up our voice sometimes to receive what God has from us. But as he was shouting and asking God to heal him, asking Jesus to heal him, uh, the Bible says that his friends told him to be quiet. They said, hey, man, that's not how we act. Don't do that. But the Bible says that Bartimaeus shouted even louder. He began to magnify God even louder. And Jesus stopped, turned on a dime, walked over and said, who is that? And he said, well, this guy that's blind said so brought him over. And Jesus didn't go up to his friends and say, hey, I'm so glad that y'all told him to be quiet because I'm not worthy of all the praise. I'm not worthy of all the glory. Nobody should lift up their voice. Nobody should magnify me. Everybody should just be quiet. No, Bartimaeus is the only one that got from God what he was asking for God. And he was also the only one who was lifting up his voice when God came in the room or came by. So there should be a response to God. The, the, the Holy Spirit. And again, sometimes, you know, I don't want to, you, you can't put God in a box. You can't put worshiping God in a box uh, either. But, but sometimes there's a stillness that comes in the room and it's just like, whoa. And there's just a significant reverence. Other times, the, the presence and the power of God can come in a room. And man, you know, you don't have to be saved for a hundred years to feel the urge to magnify God. You actually have to suppress it to not let it come out because you are actually created to magnify God. This is when we would put that applause light on. Go ahead and clap right there. You were created to magnify God. There is nothing cultural about it. It's not a family thing. It is a biblical thing. When the Spirit of God, who doesn't have to do anything, chooses to make His presence known through the tangible manifestation of His Spirit, somebody ought to magnify Him. Somebody ought to put their hands together and say, we're glad you're here, oh God. Do what only you can do. Oh, Son of David, have mercy on me. See, it's not a cultural thing. It's a biblical thing to magnify God. And Jesus said when he saw him, uh, and when he saw him, he said unto them, go show yourself unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, everybody say, as they went, they were cleansed. So literally, uh, as they went, they were cleansed. They were healed. Uh, that word uh, cleanse there is literally the word healed in our, in, in, in our current uh, dialect. But the thing with Jesus is this, when we're serving God. And I've served God for 35 years. I'm 35 years old also. You say, actually, it's a little over 35 years because I was in church nine months before I was born, okay? <laughs> like, I, some of my best naps happen in church, you know? And we used to sit, I was one of three boys... And, and we would sit on the, on the row. So when you're a family, which back then that was kind of normal size. Now three kids is almost a big family in today's society in some places. But uh, we would sit, and, you know, you kind of fill up half of a row or whatever. And, and we would sit there and, and we didn't have like we didn't have kids church back then. So these kids, they don't know how good they have it. OK, <laughs> they just don't. Because when, when, when we had church, like the start of it was, was sometimes on time, but you had no clue when it was going to be over, okay? I mean, it was church until the Lord lifted or the preacher got hungry enough. I don't know what it was. 
But, but we would sit, on the, sit there, us three boys, and, and my dad would sit and he'd have his big old arm, you know, on a, you know, around us boys. And when we're little, you know, you can reach all three, reach around them. And we would, you know, we'd do what kids do. We'd color on the bulletin, you know, we'd be doing that. We'd play tic-tac-toe on the bulletin. And every now and then, one of my brothers uh, would cheat, believe it or not, at tic-tac-toe uh, or, or, or whatever we were playing. We'd be folding up our best paper airplane and they would crease your paper airplanes, they would do something in, and one of us would put an elbow into the other one, and, and my dad, all he would do is he would, just, he would just tap us on the head, and man, we were just instantly quiet as church mice, and, and if you watched from afar, you would think, man, that, that man, he loves his baby boys, and look how responsive they are. All he has to do is just touch them on the head and bless God. They just get to be so quiet and so wonderful. What you would have to be close enough to see to know is he wore a gold nugget ring on his right hand. And he would take his thumb and he would turn that nugget ring around and he would put that nugget ring and he would put that nugget on our noggin and bless God, we were about unconscious for about the next 15 minutes, but everybody else just thought, oh man, he loves his babies, you know. I've been in church for a long time, y'all. These kids don't know how good they have it. Kids' church, they're screaming, they're dancing, they're having fun. And I was playing tic-tac-toe with a knot on my head. It was just a, a different day. But literally, in your life and in my life, it's, it's, it's a, it's a more, more oftentimes, I want to speak for you, I'll just speak for me. More oftentimes in my life, I was healed of something as I went now, I've had miracles happen instantly. I've had miracles happen uh, in a moment. But so many times in my life, whether it's healing, whether it's a healing of my heart, whether it's a shifting of my mind, something happens as I go. You just, you just wake up one day and things are better than they used to be. Can I get a witness? Yeah. Things are better than they used to be. So a lot of times in our life, what we do is, number one, we believe God that he's going to do it right now, okay? And we never stop doing that. But we will receive from God every promise in one of three categories, either instantly, eventually, or eternally, but God's word never fails in your life. So as they went, the Bible says they were healed, and, and then one of them, uh, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. So there were 10 to begin with, and then there's one. Everybody say one. one. There were 10, and they all heard the word of the Lord. Go show yourself to the priests. And they went, and the Bible says as they went, they were healed. And all 10 of them are walking, and then one of them, which one out of 10 is 10%, which, which, which always represents the tithe in our Bible and a form of testing, one of them recognized God has done something in my life, and as soon as he recognized God has done something in his life, he turned back to where Jesus was, and can I just say it different, he turned back to God. 
You have family. You have friends that are walking away from God. You have friends and family that are going as far away from God as you can imagine. But soon and very soon, something is going to shift in their life. They're going to recognize that God has done something for me. And in Jesus' name, they are going to turn back to the one who never leaves us and never forsakes us. The one comes back, the Bible says, and begins to magnify God with a loud voice. He begins to lift his voice. Then the Bible continues to say that he fell down on his face, giving him, giving Jesus thanks, and he was a Samaritan. Nothing is in our Bible by chance. Jesus would not have pointed out that he was a Samaritan. The Bible would not have pointed out that he was a Samaritan unless it was important uh, important for us to know that he was a Samaritan. Anytime you hear the word Samaritan, you might think of a Samaritan's Purse, which is a wonderful ministry uh, that Dr. Billy Graham started. It does miracles, uh, does uh, wonderful things all over the world. You might think of the story of the Good Samaritan where he's walking by and he sees somebody crippled and busted on the side of the road. The Bible says he helps him and heal, helps heal him and then uh, goes and puts him in a hotel and does a bunch of good things for him. But Samaritan means even more than that. Samaritans, especially in those, day, in those days uh, and age, they were looked down upon by everybody. They were half-breeds. They were, they were uh, considered by most Hebrews, by most Israelites, to be uh, blasphemous in their worship, not allowed to worship. Do you remember when Jesus was going and he had his disciples with him? And he said this, he said, I must needs go to Samaria. He walks into Samaria and he finds a woman by a well, tells her how he literally uh, is the wellspring of life, And if she would ask for some water from him, she would never thirst again. The disciples walked up and said, why are you even talking to her? Samaritans were so looked down upon. They were considered foreigners. They were considered problems everywhere that they went. But this Samaritan, not bound by religion, turns around and begins to thank God and magnifies God. He leaves everybody else and decides he's just going to thank God for what he's done in his life. Sometimes we have to make a decision like the salmon, and we're just deciding we're going to swim upstream, even if everybody else is just floating downstream. He turned, he goes back to God, falls on his face, and begins to thank him. When you decide to have a spirit of thanksgiving, be the rudder of your life, bitterness becomes impossible. Anytime you sense the seed of bitterness beginning to take root in your life, beginning to elevate in your life, beginning to to cause you to be something that you know you're not supposed to be, it's in that moment when you've got to leave, even if it's people you've been hanging around, you've got to turn back to God And develop the spirit of thanksgiving. Because thanksgiving will position you to receive more than you could ask or think. The only thing this man asked for was to be healed. But Jesus said, where are the ten that I cleanse? Where are the other, weren't there ten? Where's the other nine? And then verse 18 says, they're not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. Meaning the church folk didn't magnify God, just the Samaritan did. And he said unto them, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you whole. Thanksgiving will put you in a position 
not just to be healed, but when you thank God, you're now a candidate to be made whole. A leper is a very interesting, uh, uh, leprosy is a very interesting disease. It not only plagues your body, it also puts you in an overwhelming state of depression because you'll lose uh, a lot of your skin, you'll lose the digits, your hands, all different things. So literally, uh, this man was healed of his leprosy, but let's say maybe he had it for five years and he lost all the fingers on his right hand. As soon as he began to thank God, now God didn't just heal him, God made him whole. You see, it's different when you decide to be thankful. It's different when you decide to magnify God. It's different when you decide to turn away from what everybody else is doing and recalibrate and begin to think on the fact that if He did it for me one time, I need to make sure and thank Him because it is just the beginning of what God wants to do in your life. One out of ten, ten percent, the tithe of the group proved he was thankful. Our tithe unto God proves we are thankful that He saved us, proves we are thankful for what He's done for us. Exodus 13 says that uh, we were to t- that, that in those days when they came out of Egypt, they were to take the firstborn of every animal and bring it to the house of God. And the Bible says that when your children ask you why you're doing that, you need to tell them we're doing it because it wasn't always this way. God delivered us from our bondage, saved us with the blood of the Lamb, and now we're headed to the promise land and this is what he asks us to do and it proves to him that we are thankful for delivering us the man turned around and said I'm going to prove that I'm thankful for what you've done we've got to get to the place where we not only think on these things because when we think on these things it will bubble out of our mouth and then we begin to create our world and now we have a world that is salted with thanksgiving and everything becomes more savory Philippians 4, 6, quickly throw it on the screen. I'm going to close very soon. It says, be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Everybody say, with thanksgiving. We pray over everything. But we don't just pray as if we're talking to the sky. We pray and thank God that He's going to do what He said He's going to do. Mark eleven twenty four. 24, turn there quickly. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. When you pray, believe. When you pray, believe you receive. When you pray. We don't just believe God we receive when we have it in our hand. Anybody can do that. We believe God when we pray that we receive. And then when we pray, according to Philippians, we just salt the whole thing with thanksgiving. So let me give you just an example. God, thank you that you are delivering my family from all bondage, from all affliction, that not one disease will come near my house. A thousand may fall at my right side, ten thousand on the other, but it won't come near me in Jesus' name. We pray. We believe and we remain thankful. Because get this, thanksgiving is proof of reception. Let me give you an example. 
If you know somebody that's about to get married and you give them a, a, a gift, you go to the place where they're registered, uh, maybe it's Target or, or maybe it's not Target. A lot of people don't shop at Target because the bathroom thing, that's crazy, y'all. But anyway, uh, you go to wherever they're registered, Dillard's. You go to Dillard's and I don't know if they have bathrooms there, but bless God. So we go to Dillard's and we go to the restroom first and then we go and we find the registry and we pull it up and we find out what do they want. And we say, oh, well, glory to God. They want, uh, uh, they want the, this, this vacuum cleaner that's $8 million that's going to break just like other vacuum cleaners break. And you just want to send them a text message and say, you don't need an $8 million vacuum. Glory to God. But you get them the vacuum, okay? And then you, you, you wrap up the vacuum and you send the vacuum to their house. And the vacuum gets to their house and you, you send it UPS. You get the tracking number. You get the email. You follow it. Make sure it's there. Two days later, it gets to their house. And now you start this little clock on the inside of your mind. In 48 to 72 hours, I should either be getting a text message, an email, or a thank you note to prove that they have received what I sent them. But what happens when, you, when they don't send the thank you note is now you start wondering if they received it. When we don't thank God for what He's done in our life, does He even know we have received from heaven what He has sent down? So literally, you sit there and you're like, man, I don't know. I don't know if they received it. Did they send it to the wrong address? The thing says that, 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 that it delivered, but I don't know. So then you, you try to be sneaky, sneakerson. And you call them and you're like, hey, how's it going? They're like, good. So you excited about the wedding? Yeah, I'm real excited. And you're trying to be sneaky. You're like, so are your floors dirty? And they're like, no, I'm pretty good. Glory to God. Bless God. We've got pretty clean floors. Okay, so anything been happening in your, li in your life lately? Like maybe last Tuesday at 9.22 a.m., did anything happen in your life? Is your house like my house and you've got like cardboard boxes everywhere from stuff that is shipped to you that you forgot to send thank you notes for? <laughs> and they never say thank you. And you're left wondering. And then you go to the mailbox and there's a beautiful card that says thank you. Thank you for my vacuum. I think my husband might use it once. <laughs> Thanksgiving is proof that you have received what God has sent your way. Give God a hand of praise.